Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome and good morning. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We are going to be talking about a topic that is on everybody's lips after a deployment. Anytime a group of women or vets get together. And we're going to be talking about sex and intimacy and how do you how do you reconnect after a deployment or a separation of any length of time? And what is different after combat? How does PTSD enter in? Basically, we are going to be talking about the sexual connection, how to rekindle it if necessary, how to redirect if that is more comfortable for both parties, and also some of the safety aspects. So we're talking today with Dr. Heather Bardos, and she is was in the Navy for 12 years, is an OBGYN, has delivered two babies today or three babies. Heather, how many? <laughs> I'm three up at this point. Three up at this point. And we are so grateful to have you squeeze us in between these really wonderful events that you're involved with. But what we're going to talk about today is so important to folks because sex is such an important part of life. And it, there's, it's just not talked about enough in terms of what difference it makes when you're apart for a long time. How do you keep it alive? How do you, whatever you do overseas, Stay overseas. I, I think there's an awful lot that needs to be opened and shine the light on. And let's do that today. Let's do it. Let's do it. So start with what you found in your practice when people returned, you know, coming back from deployment or a long PCS, uh, a, a long unaccompanied tour, whatever it might be. What were you finding in terms of people coming to you and saying things are different? You know, I think I'm so happy we're talking about this very topic because I don't think it's addressed often enough in the military or with military spouses. And, you know, I think people were afraid to even bring it up a lot of times. Mm -hmm. People didn't know if I even had an answer or or who to talk to about it because it, somehow it might make them look weak or, mm-hmm. you know, people are coming back with, with missing limbs and they're worried about their sex life. So there's a lot of kind of guilt about that too. But, but one of the biggest things that I always heard was, you know, things just feel different. They feel mm-hmm. different. And I don't know how to kind of roll with that. And, you know, I think that's a great start right there is just saying those phrases. Something doesn't feel right with my sex life. Um, you know, sex is, is a vital sign for your sex life. Mm-hmm. This is a sleep and food and water. And I think we all just imagine, oh, we can get rid of it. We don't have to have it, but really it's, it's one of the things that you're meant to do. And, and it's just as great as a good meal or as a, as a nutritious drink. I mean, as a smoothie, it's just very essential for our life. And, and most women that I saw, I mean, as an OBGYN, um, came back overseas from overseas or from a geo batch or from a whatever, an unaccompanied tour. And, 
and mm-hmm. didn't really know how to re-engage. It's almost like mm-hmm. everyone strangers again. And and one of the one of the biggest things is is that that's okay. That that's okay. That things feel different. It doesn't have to feel like oh I left you in February and now it's the following March and things should be just like they were. It's not going mm-hmm. to. Because you've changed. I mean, you've seen things that other people won't see. Um, you've been by yourself in a stressful environment. I mean, you have changed as a human, and that's okay. Not only is it okay, it's it's very normalized. But as you say, we don't really talk about it a lot. And I think that's from the veteran side. They've been away. They've seen things. They're fighting a war. War is messy. War is painful. War is very different than home. But then looking at it from the spousal side, the mill spouse side, they've been alone. They've been handling a lot of other things. There may be resentment for this long role, even though they knew this was what would happen. The experience itself can be very isolating and different in life than it is when you're intellectually going through it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's no way you can fully prepare, even though the military does a pretty damn good job of preparing people. They mm-hmm. don't they don't have the resources to prepare the spouses and the kids and the mm-hmm. and you know, and, and you know, I had plenty of friends that served over in Afghanistan um as gynecologists. I know that seems kind of funny that a gynecologist is into Afghanistan, but but we were sent over to serve in, in support surgical services and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and you're lonely. I mean, you're scared. You're lonely. And I had plenty of friends that, that had affairs over there, um, were lonely and came back and tried to rebuild, rebuild their relationship at home with their spouse or their partner. And, um, an incredible amount of forgiveness on both sides, mm-hmm. um, communication, even gratitude for what both people have gone through. Mm-hmm. And, and that can work wonders to rebuild a relationship. You know, it, it was funny when we spoke earlier, we were talking about a talking point, you know, what goes on overseas stays overseas, but you said, no, it seldom works that way. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We like to say like, you know, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and that may be in Vegas, but, but overseas <laughs> it needs to be completely transparent and, and the more transparent both parties can be, the faster you can rebuild the sexual intimacy, even if something did, if you, you know, even just kiss somebody or something happened, getting that out, getting that pain out of the way up front and early will prevent the kind of resentment and that kind of stewing in your own kind of misery by not communicating that to your, to your partner, uh, you know, both sides. Well, and it makes sense because you are absent there. You don't, you don't have a monitor. Somebody's not, you know, with the baby monitor on you, knowing exactly what you're doing at every time. And I think that your imaginary fears, and they're not so imaginary as they are perceived, can really get in the way. And so if I'm hearing you correctly, are you saying that when you come back, it's good to do a personal check-in on the intimacy level? Yes. You do a debrief when you get back with your, with your duty command, right? You do a debrief mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That's a debrief at home too. You got to get in there and do a big debriefing about, you know, the experiences that you saw on, you know, on either side, either home or abroad, mm-hmm. uh, what you saw, what you felt. Um, mm-hmm. That's a 
why it's hard for sometimes our our warriors to do that because we don't talk about feelings much in the military. But mm-hmm. you know, things that you saw that scared you, that made you happy, that gave you joy, that that gave you surprise and delight. Um, all those things should be debriefed with your partner when you get home, and you should treat it every time you go away like a fresh coming back into your duty command, debriefing again. But as I listen to many, many families, and I hear them talking about this very issue, when someone's first back, there are often many different varied reactions. One, there can be just so exuberance that they're back, they're alive, it's it's okay. They don't want to talk about anything serious. They want to get some air underneath their wings first. And, and then it gets put off. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a delayed discussion and then it, it sort of gets pushed off for too long. And then now it's awkward to talk about. Um, there's also instances, and we've read them in the papers, et cetera, where there is a significant amount of infidelity for whatever reason. And if someone finds out while they're away, they may not want to discuss it. They may be going through some fear and anger of their own. And so do you have any steps for that you would suggest when people come home about the circumstances or timing of that debrief? I'm sure there's no ideal time, but right. is there a better time than others to do it? I think I think you're exactly right. I mean, coming off the plane and running into your partner's arms is not the time to say, honey, we need to talk about something that happened over <laughs> You know, I think you definitely had the moment together. You kind of reconnect emotionally just by being close to each other. And, right. and, and within 48 to 72 hours, I think it's right for both partners to say, let's do our debriefing that we talked about doing while we were both, you know, while we were away and let's sit down and let's just be very logical about unemotional about it. Let's just, what is, what happened here? What happened here? And, and I wouldn't let, like you said, the sun set on it too long. I mean, if it's been two or three weeks, it's going to be awkward. Um, but All right, I, now I'm going to ask an obvious question. Take a step back. Do you need to have this discussion about your process before they go overseas? I think it's a great idea. I mean, we talk about those kind of things in, in lots of areas of medicine, getting your plan out ahead of time. And for young couples or even older couples, that are out there um, in the military saying before we go overseas, let's let's make this pact right here and now. When we get home, we're going to talk about these things. We're going to both, we both promise to listen and communicate. We're not going to just get angry right off the bat. Uh, we're not going to get emotional right off the bat. We're just going to let each other talk and and share. And by setting that stage early, you've now given permission for that conversation to happen easier when you get back home. Exactly. I mean, just as you train up before you deploy, if you train up at home, if you will, you know, what's the process going to be? Oftentimes you do have communication while you're downrange, but that's different than what the actual experience is. I think we've had so many people deploying so many times that there's two issues. One, if it's a new thing, that's awkward. And another is repeat deployments can honestly never end. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen people go back, you know, 10, 12 times. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think communicating that early 
It does. It, you're right. It sets up a debriefing for your family unit, for the for the spousal unit. It sets up parameters. It sets up your bag, essentially, to come home. I mm-hmm. honestly think that, that communication can help that partner overseas or, or the spouse stays at home because it gives them the sense that my partner wants to listen to me when I get back. And listening mm-hmm. is intimacy. That's what intimacy is all about. It's into me, I see. Oh, I like that very much. And we have to go on a quick break. But I think what you're also talking about in terms of intimacy is some sort of stability emotionally that everybody knows where they stand at that time before someone goes and then the process that will occur after it goes. We're going to go on a break. We will be back very shortly. Stay with us. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. and ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. about the hound dog that participated in a 13-mile race in Elkmont, Alabama? According to Runner's World, the two-and-a-half-year-old hound dog named Ludivine was just horb-gorbling in her backyard when she heard the runners lining up for the trackless train track half marathon in the distance. Somehow, she found her way to the starting line and began sprinting alongside the other runners. According to Keith Henry, the winner of the race, Ludivine cut in front of him and the other runners several times. They had to be careful not to trip over the pooch. As it turned out, Ludivine crossed the finish line in seventh place with a time of one hour and 33 minutes. According to her owner, that was a pretty impressive showing for a normally scabberlacher dog. Scabberlacher is another word for lazy. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Heather Bardos about the differences when you come back and how do you reconnect? How do you reappreciate one another in terms of separation and coming back? And while we can talk about communication, and debriefing. I think one of the things that stops the communication or delays it or doesn't make it as complete as it could be is that one or both of the partners discover that the other is different. They can't really put their finger on it what's different. How do we cope with the fact that our partner is different than they were when they left 
And how do we talk about that in a way that will make sense and not become defensive? Yeah, it's it's a big, I mean, here's the thing. You're going to come back different. You're going to come back. Both partners are going to be different. One, because you may be a year older and you just mm-hmm. are a little bit different from that. I mean, it's the same process that happens, you know, after a baby. And we mm-hmm. say don't have don't have any sexual relations for six weeks after a baby, although we always know it's longer than that. But, you know, six weeks and you come back after having a baby together and you have sex and it's just different. It's just mm-hmm. different. Uh, the woman's worried that she looks different, feels different. Usually the men are worried that she's going to not view him in the same way because of the emotion with the baby. This is the exact same process. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we can do as as, as a partner and, and as, a, as a vet is to admit that that process is going to happen. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when we fear it and we fear change, it doesn't make anything any better. What I always tell my, my, my spouse is, is don't take a distance or a difference personally. Uh, don't assume it's always about you and that you're mm. not loved. You're not, uh, you're not beautiful. I mean, that's a lot of women have those fears that, you know, where of course I must be fat because he doesn't want to be with me or I must not be attractive anymore. And, and I always say, don't, it's not about you. What's going on mm-hmm. with him or in the case of the woman vet, her is mm-hmm. not always about you. It's about them and their mm-hmm. processing right now. Now the vet, of course, or the person that's come back from overseas deployment, can certainly recognize that, you know, I, I may be acting a little distant or different. I need to reassure my partner, one, that I'm attracted to them, two, that I love them, uh, three, that I still want to be with them in an mm-hmm. instant way. Mm-hmm. And when those things happen, then magic happens because no one's getting snotty and pouty and blaming. Instead, they're seeing you as a point of, of safety um, not a volatile partner, but someone that they can come to and, and share. They'll share more mm-hmm. or more if you're less kind of um, uh, kind of obstructionist about it. And mm-hmm. same with the with the vet. I mean, coming back over and, and recognizing I might be a little bit different. How does my partner see that? Is a good way to always think about your partner's shoes and what they're walking mm-hmm. and just reassure and take the time to uh, to really check in with your partner and, and the sex will change, but it might be very, very well better. And that's what we Mm -hmm. hope for. The more you communicate, the more intimate, the better it's going to be. Well, that's always true. And I think one of the things that often gets missed that is so simple to do in talking and communicating on both sides is a simple affirmation. I think sometimes the things left unsaid get in the way as much, if not more than the things that are said, because then you wonder, then you start to question yourself. You start to make up all kinds of overthinking stories. So affirming, supporting the kindness, the the little things that reconnect you, you may have to do them more intentionally than you would do naturally. Would you agree with that? I would completely. I mean, we are so good at making up stories. I mean, I can make up a story. Oh, oh. You know, my husband. Well, we don't make positive late. ones up. We make no. negative ones up when we're overthinking. You know, if my husband's five minutes late. I'm like, did he get in a car accident? What does he have to do? <laughs> Maybe I should go check the road. Is he laying on the road? You know, and, and so if, if he just calls and says, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late, problem solved. Everyone's happy. Everyone fears it. And I think, 
it is, does have to be intentional and it really almost should be on your to-do list for the day. Like make mm-hmm. it say, check in with my partner in this way today, whether it's mm-hmm. holding hands on the sofa or whether it's going on a walk, whether it's talking, whether it's a text, I mean, really checking in and making that effort. It's going to feel fake, fake and forced at the beginning, but it doesn't need to stay that way. It just needs to be, mm-hmm. it's on my list to do just like working out and taking care of, of the groceries and everything else. Put it on your to-do list today. But it's simple. I mean, I, again, if we take it down to the simple fact that unless you're communicating verbally and maybe with touch, you know, just acknowledgement, affirmations, etc., as long as you're communicating, you're building, even if you've been back for a long time. But let's go into if, and this happens a lot, where someone has come back, there was an explosion, they forgot to mention that it was no big deal. I only blacked out for, you know, 30 seconds. But there's a lot of undiagnosed traumatic brain injury, which yes. can change personality. Um, obviously, there's PTSD as well often. But these two things, these two invisible injuries, can truly cause some personality change, some distance, some isolation, some confusion, because they're not the same organically as they were before. And so sometimes communication is hampered by physical conditions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we can't can't even figure out every permutation that could result from overseas deployment. I mean, there could be injuries. There can be, like you said, emotional injuries. I mean, everything can happen. And, and really, first of all, I always say to women, especially because women are the worst of this. I am too. Stop trying to fix everybody else. Don't try to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say, oh boy. Yeah. Add me to that list. You um, know, you know it girl. We, you know, so I try to fix somebody else and, you know, my husband had depression. I tried to fix him. And I, why am I trying to fix him? I can get him support and I can yes. get him the help that he needs, but I shouldn't parent or try to fix him. That's not my job as a spouse. And I always tell my spouses that that's too. I mean, you're there to be, to be his partner in life, his lover, his friend, but you're not there to be his mother or his fixer, his handler. And so giving yourself that leeway takes a lot of pressure off of, off of you. It takes a lot of pressure off that. And that allows you to kind of roll with the punches a little bit better. Um, the woman that tries well, to but control- remember that those male spouse may have been home, you know, handling everything. So, you know, the vet coming home just becomes another project, not a partner. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I mean, and we don't need another. They don't want to be a project. Thank you very much. They're not a science experiment. They You want to be a partner. And I think that both men and women have to guard against trying to, as you said, fix things. We can't fix other people. We can only change ourselves and how we respond to them. But I think it is valid if you notice changes to say... I'm noticing this change about you. Is there something that went on? Have, do you want to get it checked, et cetera? Because in terms of health care, in terms of the injuries that we mentioned, it is often the spouse or the partner who says something's different and, and we, we need to get this worked on. Yeah, I honestly, I think that should be part of the marriage vows, honestly. Mm. that <laughs> I can, That's a good point. 
<laughs> I can check you on your crap and I'm going to tell you when I think something's off and, and your job is to at least get it checked out. I mean, I think that should be in everyone's vows. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, I worry too, because, you know, women vets, especially that come back from overseas, you know, as, as women soldiers, mm-hmm. we are, um, we're kind of the worst of both. <laughs> we love <laughs> to our project, but we're also, we try to be overly tough and I think women especially, I mean, men too, of course, but women especially don't communicate um, those feelings very often. They don't want to be seen as weak. Women soldiers hate being seen weak, as weak. You're right. Uh, and, and it almost, I worry sometimes about women vets sometimes coming back more because they'll, you know, oh, I'm fine. I'll go take care of the kids. I'll go take care of the husband. I'll go take care of everything. I'm going to take care of her. But they don't actually take care of themselves. So care really lacks among among female vets I always feel like because they don't have that person looking after them well and and the culture in the military also breeds independence strength persistence I can do this on my own um it it doesn't exactly breed a lot of vulnerability that's the word exactly And and that it becomes actually more pronounced in the female vets that I know because they are so intent on being as strong as they can be so that life mm-hmm. goes on. And they often have the children. Um, and, and it can be very different. During the time I worked with the Baltimore National Guard for a time, and there were many soldiers because of the up-tempo that came home. And when things weren't right at home, they got rid of that spouse and found another. Yeah. So there were five, six deployments, five spouses thinking, I'll just get a new spouse and that right. will make things better. But that doesn't get at the root of the issue. Are, have you problem. seen that a lot too? Uh, it's a fix a flat is all that is. It's not getting the root of the problem really comes from within and recognizing that, that you can be vulnerable and extremely strong and you can ask mm-hmm. help me and be amazingly warrior like um it doesn't mean that we just shut down and we and we don't communicate and communication is the basis of all sex Uh, well it is and i would also venture to say that vulnerability allows intimacy without it it's very difficult to get past the walls absolutely Uh, it's 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 probably the most crucial component is letting that guard down and and sharing things as long as it's safely received. Yes, yes. It has, like I said, it has to be a pact on both sides because if the partner's not listening, if they're like making dinner or they're, you know, watching Mad Men reruns, whatever it is, they're they're not paying attention. They're not giving a good sounding board for that other partner. And so things will start to shut down and communication will break down. Well, and once you've been shut down too many times, you're not going to try again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, do you really need to, you know, get put out in the cold 45 times? No, you will withdraw and then things are really not so great. So we're going on another break. And I think one of the other things that we constantly hear when people come back from deployment or long separations, whatever it may be, is that, okay, my sex life is completely dead. It's gone. Where did it go? And how do I get it back? So after the break, let's take that on to tackle and hear your wisdom on how we can sort of rekindle not just the romance, but the sex life and the libido, which can be affected by so much. We'll be right back. 
Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting edge radio. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. That music seemed to be speeding up as we came back. So we're going to jump right into what we said we would do um, before the break, which is, okay, I've come back. My sex life is dead. I don't have any libido. And okay, we can talk about things all we want. But if I don't have any sexual drive or urgency or even attraction, I, I, I can't get it together. This happens a lot. It does. It happens a lot. I mean, low libido is still one of the most common things that I see in an office every day, not even in the military anymore. And right. I think it's a very perplexing diagnosis. And a lot of physicians don't know what to do with it. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, either, um, it's either in their head and they just need to go get a vibrator and do something or it's, you know, or it's, well, it's, it's just go take some, some testosterone roids. I mean, whatever it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's, There are two components of libido. Like, we know that. Like, you know, it really comes, our biggest sex organ is our brain. We know that. Um, Mm -hmm. We know that it relies on the the limbic system in the brain, not the prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex where we really think. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the big big things is, is, which is it? Is it coming completely from thoughts that we're having about ourselves and our world around us, which Mm -hmm. would be more of that PTSD kind of window? or just stress or whatever versus an actual physical problem, um, you know, with, a, you know, adrenal issues after from PTSD, uh, you know, these kinds of things. And so you have to really differentiate. Is it, is it physical? Is it, is it a mental? And by mental, we don't mean crazy. We just mean that it's coming mm-hmm. to mind. Um, and, and that takes some, some digging around to find out. And one of the biggest questions I always ask people is, is when you're having sex or trying to have sex, what are you thinking about? There should be nothing. You're not thinking about anything. You're thinking about <laughs> how how to please my partner and vice versa. You shouldn't be right. thinking during sex. Um, right. So people that tell me, well, I was thinking about, you know, I have to go to Kroger's later and I have to go get the kids <laughs> and, and, you know, I have to right, go right. you know, my recruiter to up my, then we know that there's a problem where people are too much in their prefrontal cortex. They're thinking too much. They're thinking and too much. Right. They're thinking too much. Um, and what I hear is, well, I'm really trying to be in the moment and it's just not happening. Like I'm just, I'm just not really 
getting into it, mm-hmm. that's different. And that may be physical. And the physical component, you know, certainly can be some like tra- uh, traumatic brain injuries can do this, right? So it, mm-hmm. it actually um, can actually change the structure of the brain. Mm-hmm. So where you're not producing the same amounts of hormones and such, um, you know, they also put everyone that comes back that has issues on antidepressants and mm-hmm. right. kills libido, that kills libido. Yep. Um, I once had a friend who was, who had depression. She's actually a gynecologist and she said, oh, I'm not going to take antidepressants. I'd rather be depressed than not orgasm ever again. And, <laughs> well, it's the same, but it often can be a choice like that if it, you don't. Have a physician who will talk to you about the options. Absolutely. And there's tricks to get around that. There are pharmaceutical tricks to get around those kind of things. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about a state like PTSD, there's a chronic secretion of cortisol, which is our stress hormone, right? So we're driving the brain all the time. And so our adrenals, those little tiny things that sit on top of our Mm -hmm. kidneys that Mm -hmm. we don't think about unless they're not working well, start to become depleted. And I know there's a lot of question in the medical community is there adrenal fatigue is there not i really happen to think that there is i think you can mm-hmm. do your stress hormones so much that everything is gone mm-hmm. um, and that can be a major cause because now your dopamine is down cortisol is up so you're ready for battle mm-hmm. all the time. like that's all you're doing you're ready for battle and that will automatically not make mr happy stand up at attention um mm-hmm. it'll automatically reduce blood supply to the female organs and so it's really got to figure out and a lot of this is unfortunately on the kind of the vet's shoulders is where do I think this is coming from? Because the military is God bless them. They're great. And I love being a military doctor, but sometimes the resources aren't quite there. And so as much of this as we can do ourselves as vets or as people that are still active duty and employed, mm-hmm. where am I feeling? Where do I think this is coming from? That's a great starting point to help your healthcare people guide you down the right path. And, um, yes. Is there an openness on the part of the physicians to listen to this as a problem? Or is it what a lot of the vets tell me is that they've got to treat my depression. So this is just a side effect too bad. So I I can choose to either take the drug and maybe it gets better, but it's like the one that you gave the example. There's a trade-off. And yet there are alternatives. There are many things that you can do, as you said, pharmaceutical workarounds. There are alternative CAM medicine therapies that can be workaround. But you have to be involved in your care. And what you mentioned earlier is, okay, what is happening in my head? Not every vet is going to be that self-aware and say, what's in my head? Is Is it, you know, my thoughts and feelings? Am I making grocery lists in my mind? Or, you know, am I just not? here in the same way I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And is, and is there a reason for that? But that self-awareness thing is hard. It is probably the hardest thing we ever do as humans is to really mm-hmm. kind of know thyself as we, as mm-hmm. we say jokingly. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, that's, that's a path that not everyone can go down very easily without some serious leads and, mm-hmm. and, partner can help with that some, you know, and, and I would love, I mean, seriously, if, if, if the department of defense is listening, I would love, (laughs) they're probably not, but if they were that the military healthcare providers get trained to better handle these issues because they're vital to quality of life and it will stop a lot of the other issues in their tracks. If you can help people start back properly. 
in a way that's healthy and positive and affirmative and self-aware and all of that, you really can stop or forestall in most cases some of these other things. Not everyone comes back with PTSD that's intractable. They oh, don't. Yeah. And, no. and yet, you know, those that do absolutely need a different course of therapy. But there are ways that we can help with the resilience and the expectations of what may or may not happen and what to check for. We tell them to check if you're dizzy, but we don't tell them to check, you know, how's your libido? Is yeah. it the same? Yeah. And, and it's something that they, you have to kind of track over time, right? Because libido mm-hmm. does wax and wane in normal people. Of course. Right? And so, you know, I always say track it and see, you know, if it's been, oh gosh, it's been six months and we haven't had sex. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's been a couple of weeks, maybe not an issue. Maybe it's a transient kind of, of waxing of the, of the libido. And so it's mm-hmm. important to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really kind of keep I always ask people to keep a diary. Keep a diary for just just write on a calendar like a heart for days you've had sex. And 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 then I can kind of look at them and say, Oh, there's a pattern there. You know, mm-hmm. it's months. You know, that's a problem. And and that's something that's relatively easy to do for everyone when they get back from overseas. Just keep a little calendar and put a little, you know, star for a great day, heart for a love day. I mean, all these different things. I mean, women we've been doing that with our periods for generations. We've been keeping mm-hmm. track of kind of things. And so mm-hmm. it's a little trick that, that everyone can do when they come back home. Well, the other thing that I often encourage people to do is that when you're put on a new medication, consider that, you know, read your instructions and talk to your physician, but also know if there are sexual side effects. And, okay, if you'd like to avoid those, there are often options. But you do need to speak up. And unless you look into your own meds, which people often don't, they just don't. And the VA is famous for giving out, you know, when there's one that would work, there might be six or seven given out. Right, so you right. maybe have a big old bag of meds and either the interactions cause the problem or a specific drug. But keep track of new meds because then you'll You're see right. side effects. Everyone always asks me, will I gain weight on this drug? Right. That's the only thing they ever ask me. Will this drug make me fat? Right. They never ask, <laughs> will it change? My personality. <laughs> well, let me sprout a second head. Well, you know, mm. well, will my will my penis fall off? No one ever asks that. They just want to know no. what to make them overweight. And so thinking about those and saying, what are the side effects of this medication? I mean, I think people are afraid to ask their doctors or their pharmacists about that. They are. Uh, because it feels like it's being aggressive, but it's not. It's a conversation that, that you deserve and, mm-hmm. and you should get. Um, and of course, you don't want to listen like list every single possible side effect because some of them are so oddly rare. But but the big right. ones like about food, air, sex, sleep, will affect right. my sleep or my you know these things are. You deserve to know that information. Well, and you just mentioned a really important one: sleep. If you're being completely deprived of sleep because you have other issues going on, whether mentally or PTSD or physically, TBI, whatever it may be your libido is going to be lower anyway. Again, you're back in that, you're back in that high cortisol state where your body thinks it's under attack. It thinks it's preparing for a lion to chase you across the Serengeti or, you know, you're traveling on a bicycle, like on some LA freeway. Like it doesn't understand the difference and, Mm -hmm. and and yeah, it's prepared. And so yeah, your libido will just go right down the window. 
I think everybody has experienced those moments of time. And I think looking back, you're not always sure what it was that rekindled it. But a lot of it, you mentioned it earlier, was gratitude and appreciation. And sometimes we're so concerned with logistics upon somebody's return that we're not thinking of the other parts. It's a nice to have versus a need to have when this is really a need to have also. Yes. Uh, gratitude is hugely essential. I mean, it's actually medically proven to lower blood pressure, lower cortisol mm-hmm. levels, help with um, with depression and anxiety. And I honestly think that can start even while the partner is overseas. I mean, sending an email or a text that says, hey, I just want to say thank you for all that you do for me. Um, those little things really mean a lot and they really can stoke the fires too. Well, and, and there's, there's sort of a joke about if you want sex on Saturday, you start on Tuesday in terms of foreplay and teasing prep work. and, and preparate, yeah. prep work. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you can call it what you want. It's, it's PT in many ways, but it's, it's important to remember those things. It's, it's just not as instantaneous as it was at 18 when you've had all these other life experiences that do complicate your head. And remember the head is the largest sex organ. So it's really very interesting how that works. So we are going to go on a break. I'd like us to touch on one of the touchier topics regarding intimacy with regard to combat veterans and their families, and that is the higher prevalence of intimate partner violence. And we, we don't need to go into the weeds because I think everybody has gotten a great awareness of what the potentials are, mm-hmm. but maybe we can talk after the break about the, the precursors, what you see as signs that you need to rein in in the beginning or you need to make note of, you need to make an escape plan. I mean, there are some levels there. It's a spectrum. But let's not overlook that these organic injuries, these invisible injuries, can indeed cause personality changes that are dangerous. Yeah. So we will we will attack that one. Are you okay with that? That sounds great. Wonderful. If you want more information, you can go to heatherbartosmd.com, and you'll find a lot of information plus a wonderful newsletter on what you can do daily to really just up your your gratitude, your your quality of life, and how things really work for you. So that's heatherbartosmd.com. And we'll be back after these short messages. Stay with us. There's much more to come, and you don't want to miss this. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. is National Chocolate Month. Historians say the Aztecs discovered chocolate 3,100 years ago, and it was revered to the point of worship. The word chocolate comes from the Aztec word chocolatl, which referred to the bitter, spicy drink the Aztecs made from the cacao beans. The first chocolate bar was invented in 1847 by Joseph Fry. Did you know that it takes one year for a cacao tree to 
to produce enough pods to make 10 chocolate bars. The scientific name for the tree that chocolate comes from, Theobroma cacao, means food of the gods. Man cannot live by chocolate alone, but we women sure can. Personally, I could give up chocolate, but I'm not a quitter. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. Before the break, we mentioned that there often are some changes, or can be some changes, I should say, not often, but can be some changes that you need to keep your eyes out for, and your ears, and your feelings, and your brain. And there's a huge barrier to intimacy, and that's when sex becomes either a weapon, or withheld, or becomes just something that is not the way it used to be and is is scary, frightening, harmful, or all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that we see, you know, a lot of times we'll see this kind of glamorized, quote unquote, in movies where, you know, there's a partner like sleeping with the enemy. It's kind of trolling, like, and I always think that he looks kind of like he's from the military. It's very kind of of steely eyed, controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of controlling person that that on the outside looks like everything's fine, but then and then does does cause issues at home, and we'll see this with sexual. I mean, we know that that spouses. In fact, I was watching a show the other day, and and the woman says, "You're gonna kill me, aren't you?" So it's, it's a comedy show called Catastrophe, and he goes, "Nah," because everyone knows 85% of all domestic murders are by husbands. So I goes, "I'd automatically be the suspect," and we know that's Sally. That's true. I mean, that's really true. That it is true. The number one suspect is always the spouse, and mm-hmm. And that's for good reason, because there's a good history there of that's the case. And so when when kind of love becomes dangerous, it's kind of it's kind of where we need to kind of go next, I think. And and that's when when he comes home or she comes home and now there's little signs that things aren't right, but they're also kind of dangerous. They're making you nervous. The the increased control, we'll see that. Like, you know, I want mm-hmm. my kids all facing to the front or, you know, I don't want my whites washed with my colors. I mean, these things, the other one is possessiveness. Increased possessiveness is a big one. Um, what were you talking to the neighbor for? You know, what, why, right. why? on the neighbor and it's 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 that kind of closing in i mean if you think about it from the from the vet's point is 
they, they feel unsafe. They feel fear mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and it may be from an injury or whatever. And so they're trying to hold on like a kid, like squeezing everything really tight. The bunny is really tight to the point mm-hmm. where then it, it, it hurts the bunny. And that's what's happening. And, and so you'll see they'll use fear. They'll use, you know, I can just leave you or next time maybe I won't come back or these things. Right. And that's emotional abuse. I mean, that's all there is to it. That's emotional mm-hmm. abuse. It can lead then towards sexual abuse in the bedroom. And you'll see, I got, everyone thinks that 50 shades of gray is so hot, you know, and, and that's, fine. that's your thing, but both partners have to be into it. And in mm-hmm. one wants a spank and the other one finds that offensive or not or not fun or sexy that's now becoming um an abuse of intimacy mm-hmm. and and i think a lot of women don't like to talk about it they want to report it we see this usually on male on male on female um kind of relationships i'm a truth like it could be male on male relationships or female i mean it could be any relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They use fear, possessiveness um, a, a, as a way to control the other person, and then that leads to bedroom, and then it leads to physical violence too. Correct, and, and that's that's where I was going with this is because we would be remiss in not bringing this up as sometimes happening, and it it is making the papers a lot more, and not always projected in the correct manner. But it, if you do have fear, if you do see some of these controlling, you're being held down against your will. The possessiveness. I always also like to add isolation. When your yeah. friends are being kept away, you know, that starts to be a, an abusive relationship that you need to be careful of. And we have several shows on um, intimate partner violence, and I urge you go listen to those because they give you the resources and that kind of thing. But I did want to mention that in terms of sex and intimacy because one is workable and one you may need to make a backup plan and mm-hmm. other other ways to depart that relationship. So let's switch back because we're coming to the end of our show. Let's switch back to reconnecting, mm-hmm. rekindling. Um, and that is not a linear path. You know, it can, it can go two steps forward, three back, one forward, one back. And, you know, do you have tips to help people to, to take a look and say, all right, it's, but we can make it different, but good. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is that most people come back from deployment or like I said, a geo batch and, and things are good. Things are fine. They are a little bumpy, but mm-hmm. things aren't, aren't, you know, all, um, all horrors like, like we just talked about right. with, the, with the violence, you know, many relationships are good and actually can be better. Um, mm-hmm. with some of those communication tips like we talked about in the beginning. But above that, it, you know, we talked about the prefrontal cortex, kind of where we house all of our thoughts and that shopping list, that mean shopping list from Target that keeps coming back in your head. And the way that we can kind of get back there um, to the limbic system, which is where we our animal side is, is by using mm-hmm. our senses. And I use this with my patients. Uh, and it's really focusing, and we've talked about this before, I know, Linda, mm-hmm. is really focusing on on what's around you the environment it's touching mm-hmm. is touching things you know t- letting your partner just touch you even just on your face uh, that's connection you know mm-hmm. looking at your eyes you know looking at something sexy that's connection even just the way i've had partners tell me that, that their their wife smells so like she knows her perfume it still smells so good like it just smells it just mm-hmm. reminds me of, mm-hmm. of her and it can transport you back in time. Smell is probably the best one to do so. Taste, mm-hmm. 
we talk about eating oysters and chocolate and red wine (laughs) because because taste is paramount there and 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 then of course audio so you know music things that you've listened to before those are all ways you can connect that don't Mm -hmm. take money they don't take therapy they're things that you can do even for just a great sex life to make it even better but that really help broach that connection and again with that communication piece added the sex life is going to get better it's going to get better every time well, it can get better. And, and this is where the, a breakthrough, for example, is when someone has had a good experience after they've reconnected and they laugh together. I mean, mm-hmm. laughter and gratitude and thankfulness and just being glad to be alive. Those are not easy things at all, but they are workable or, or to work toward. I always say forgiveness, mm-hmm. ownership and gratitude. If you can get the fog, then you'll have a great life. Talk about those three things, the ownership Forget- part, especially, because I'm not sure everybody will get that. Well, I'll tell you, my my favorite books in the entire world is a book by two uh, two SEAL vets. I think they're SEALs. They're SEALs in the Army. Anyway, I'm probably going to get blasted for that one. But uh, <laughs> it's by Jocko Malink and Lee Babbitt, and it's called Extreme Ownership, and it's actually written um, from the military standpoint. I think it should be required reading for all the military. Interesting. How about in the military, and now they're actually business consultants, Mm -hmm. it all boils down to you. So, um, you know, the general on the field, um, it's his responsibility, but it's also everyone down the line's responsibility to look after their own stuff. Mm -hmm. And and we we should do that at home, too, you know, with, with they use CEOs and such as that as well. But, you know, where did it fail? It failed with me. If I didn't get mm-hmm. something done, it's me. And that actually is power. And it's so scary for people, but it's, it's, it's powerful to think I'm not at fault. I'm, I'm in charge of it. Like I, it's, that's me. I own that. And mm-hmm. I love when I see my patients do the same thing. She was libido. I'm going to own this. Like I'm going to see we're not going to blame him. Cause he came back from overseas. Doesn't want to do it. Where's right. my role in this? How can I own this? How can mm-hmm. I not? You fix it, but how can I own it? Um, and it's a hard one for most people to do because we're not taught it. We think, oh, we're getting blamed and shamed like we were when we were children. Um, it's it's a- because I listen to this and I, I laugh because I'm a recovering responsibility holic. Oh, I, I, I always think that I, you know, if, if something goes wrong, I must have caused it. So I need to go fix it. And that's not always the case to know what we need to own as well as what we can let go of because it isn't ours to own exactly exactly does the book go into that part as well it, the book goes a lot into their experiences in iraq and and to me it was it was illustrious in the way that it showed not only how the military works with ownership but also how corporate world but also how you can do it at home like yeah. i actually I actually have my kids do this now. And, and to me, I'm like, don't just own it. Just own it. Did you do this? Just take responsibility. (laughs) It's okay. I'd rather Mm -hmm. you do that and say, no, I didn't break the lamp. He broke the lamp. To me, it, it, it's, it's more powerful. It's also accepting things and accepting where you, where you falter and where you triumph. And that's important because I I think so. So it was forgiveness, ownership, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yep. And forgiveness is probably the hardest of those three and not necessarily forgiving the other person, 
but forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves. I mean, it's hard to look in that mirror and say, guess what? I forgive you because I love you. I mean, that's what you're saying. Right. You love them. Right. No, absolutely right. And and so I think forgiveness of self is often the hardest part, but it it can be done if you own what is yours, let go of what isn't yours. And I, I think in many ways we are so tense these days trying to get to an immediate fix mm-hmm. that if we recognize that each small step leads us to the gradual top of the stairway, that it really does make a difference how would you express that? Being kind to yourself, self-compassionate? Self-care and self-compassion. And, and I always say that does not equal escapism. So I'm very yeah. clear with that with my patients. Self-care does not mean I go watch Game of Thrones, you know, all eight seasons while eating a pint of hot and dots. That is not self-care. That's <laughs> One escapism. pint for eight seasons? Boy, that's well, very that's, little. That's I'm binge-watching all of them. But oh, I see. we don't, and you could have a different flavor for each one, but... <laughs> but that's not self-care. That's escapism. That is yes. what children do. And so self-care is what works for me. What do I need? Mm-hmm. What is what does need? What does Heather need? What what can I do to make myself work the best it can? And that's self-care. I always like to think, does something serve you or is it not serving you? Because I think if, if we ask ourselves that you know, I keep that's not helping that either means try something or try something very different right yeah yeah and i i make out a self-care plan every quarter i just write down Mm -hmm. these things i want to do for myself this quarter it may say i'm going to practice i'm going to practice breathing for two minutes a day because it relaxes Mm -hmm. me i know that i'm a little high strong if you haven't noticed and i need to breathe (laughs) two minutes a damn day we we all do do that but but I make a plan for me. It's like my plant. You know, I'm a plant. You're an orchid. I'm a gardenia. We have different self-care. There we, there we go. I'm afraid we have to end, but please go to Heather Bartos, B-A-R-T-O-S-M-D.com and find out so much more information. Heather, thank you for your wisdom today. So grateful to have you. It's always a pleasure, Linda. Anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program.